Preparing to delve in three, two, one. If there's any more water in here, I'm going to eventually have to play a wave race game. Oh, hi. Just um, mind the puddles everywhere before you sit down. I've got towels, uh, but it's just probably advisable. Did you wear galoshes? You didn't think to do that. Okay, um, just don't, don't worry too much about it. It's, um, it's a drainage issue more than anything right now. Uh, hey, so on this episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit about... Need for Speed. You know, I've actually talked a little bit about Need for Speed Heat, which was the most recent installment in the series, but I had to go back in time a little bit because I wanted to play some racing games, more of them, and I uh, thought it would be a good chance to uh, to try out some of the ones that I missed along the way. And uh, one of the first ones that I wanted to try was the actual Need for Speed. Well, the 2015 Need for Speed. Obviously, there have been other games in the series before that. But this was supposed to be essentially like a, a reboot of the series when 2015 came around. And it did feature some actual racers in it, and had a very rich map and a whole lot of cars that you could tool around with. And strangely enough, had live action cutscenes. Yeah, actually, I think it's probably worth talking about that before we talk about anything else. I don't see this very often anymore, but they actually had live action cutscenes with actual actors playing the roles. They weren't digitized in or anything. They weren't digital representations of people. It was all right there through the camera lens for all the actual, like, cutscenes in the game. I thought that that was a really interesting idea. Uh, Some of those actors I actually recognized from other things, so it's kind of interesting to see them in this capacity. Those cutscenes, by the way, aren't particularly long, but they do kind of move the story forward. And when I say story, I mean uh, excuses to race more cars. That's pretty much it. Uh, Everything is a little bit hyperbolic when they're talking, but it's done pretty well, and they're not, you know, annoying or anything. And that's probably the most you can hope for, for... (laughs) <laughs> full motion video <laughs> video game cutscene. Uh, I think that that's a, a solid win for them. What I was really impressed by, though, is when you have the cars, because obviously your cars are in-game cars, you will see your cars actually in those scenes. That's pretty neat. Even, even the customization options that you've used. And I'm, not, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how they did that, where the the in-game car is represented very realistically in the, you know, full-motion video cutscenes. And uh, when they're showing you your initial cars that you can get, you know, they're lined up in the back, and when you go to decide which one you want, there's they still look practically like they're, they're right there. Maybe it's just because the technology has grown to such a degree at this point, we're talking about 2015, that by that time in video gaming, it was hard to distinguish between uh, the real and the fantastic, which is a huge thing, if you think about it. Besides that, 
I can't necessarily say that it's a whole lot different than most Need for Speed games. It is an open world game, very similar to later installments, and it is uh, one of those games where you can, you know, gain your rep and money, and both of these things help out tremendously to unlock new options for you in the game, as well as allow you to buy better parts that are unlocked through your rep. So this is a little bit different than Heat that came out in 2019, the most recent installment, and the most recent Need for Speed game that I've played. And in some ways, I think it's for the better. One of the reasons I say that is because in Heat, they had this notion that during daytime races, you'd be gaining money, and then in nighttime races, you could gain rep, right? And so you had to play some nighttime missions and some daytime missions, and you'd have to continually alternate between these things, and it did give you different kinds of racing and stuff that you could do, but it also felt a little decentralized for me. This Need for Speed, the 2015 Need for Speed, uh, lets you accumulate those essentially at the same time. You do, like, stylistic stuff, and you'll gain rep. You win races, you gain money. And you can do that all at the same time. It just kind of centralizes the whole experience. Something that was very interesting in this is the idea that you have your, your drifting, your, essentially your style racing, and then you have your racing racing, the, the actual racing part. Through all of this, the cops are always on your tail, right? Like, they, they might stop you and, and try to chase you down. This is a hallmark of the series, obviously. Uh, so, and then you have to try and outrun them and see if you can get to a safe spot so that you can, you can lose the heat and uh, then you gain a reputation for doing so. But they, uh, they basically have two different kinds of racing, the ones that are all about style and the ones that are all about uh, speed. But then there's also something called uh, Giancana, and uh, those are essentially these, these big challenges where you have to be fast and you have to accumulate enough style points by, you know, drifting and, you know, doing all the, the cool things. And so, in order to accommodate all of this, you are given a large selection of vehicles, more of which unlock as the game goes on. But... Instead of saying that some of them are good for certain things and others are good for other things, it kind of lets you just tune any vehicle you want for any purpose. So there's um, upgrades that you get throughout the game that basically are just a color-coded rarity. It's, it's very straightforward. It's not like you unlock a lot of this stuff. It's just, okay, this is a better version of, of this part. The exhaust, the block, the head, the ECU, whatever you have. Uh, this is a better version. It makes your car go faster. There's also a bunch of them that allow you to swing the dial between essentially firm and then drifty racing. And this determines whether your car is going to be good at one rather than the other. And as you upgrade those you can swing so much more wildly in one direction than another. 
So if you wanted to, you could actually build a car that was just the car you like, and you swing it all to one side, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a very tight turning, or I should say that it's very firm around the corner sort of racing that you get out of it. Or you could take it all the way to the other side for those sliders, and suddenly you can't go five feet without, you know, your tires burning rubber all over the place as you swing wildly back and forth. These are basically the, the options that you get for some of your upgrades as you continually move forward. And I would say that you start to realize that it's probably not beneficial to you to go too far in either of those directions, so you might not want to take those options. But they do give you a lot of fun activities to do throughout the city. Uh, one, you actually have a lot of collection stuff to do, um, landmarks that you can take photos of, that kind of thing. There's donuts. You, you, you're supposed to do donuts in certain areas of the game for it. Uh, and then, of course, there's just a whole bunch of different kinds of races that you can participate in. There are sprints, and there are lap races, and obviously you can just go around the city and try and outrun the cops and, and do some of the other uh, little activities that are going on throughout the game. You know, it's Need for Speed. It's, uh, you know, some of the earlier Need for Speed games were like straight line racing, uh, but this one is the open world version of it. It all works pretty well. Uh, there are going to be points where you start asking why the missions want you to do what they want you to do. They'll want you to start using some specific cars that might have some specific limitations to them. And when it got into that territory, I started to wonder if I wanted to play anymore. One of the reasons is because there's a car that's supposed to be one of the legend cars, and you're supposed to race against one of your friends in this game. And for the life of me, I tried it a few times, I could not figure out how I was supposed to use this car to beat her <laughs> in the game. I just could not figure that out. And I went and I, I was like, okay, well, are there any options? Now, for a game that's all about options, right, being able to customize your car... The, the the wrap that you put on to it, how it looks, the body elements that you put on to it, the whole nine yards. Uh, there are some places like this particular car where you cannot change anything. You upgrade nothing. No, it is what it is. And I found that that was just kind of strange. Um, there, there are also some races where you start to realize that no matter how many fun options you can do on your car, it probably is just outclassed by you needing to buy a better car. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, it, it doesn't always have to do with raw speed and raw power. Sometimes it actually does have to do with maneuverability. It's one of the reasons why I usually end up going for something like a Lotus Exige rather than going for the muscle cars for a lot of that racing, because I want to be tight around corners. But I did find that when it came to stuff like drifting, I was having a lot better luck with something like my Dodge Viper. Also, I got to have a Dodge Viper, so that was something cool. Um, But then you get into the hot rods toward the end, and uh, while they don't allow you to have a lot of the customization options, it feels like they're saying, yeah, you want a freebie, just go go and race this, and you'll get, you can, you can win all the races. So I like the variety of Need for Speed 2015, but then again, I could say that basically all the modern installments of Need for Speed offer that kind of thing. The full motion video part 
kind of neat. Uh, the selection of cars, pretty nice, actually. But I should say, not necessarily as large as others that I have seen in the past. Uh, you know, there's just not quite as many options as you would get in, in some of the other ones, and uh, not necessarily even as interesting options. Uh, but, you know, some of my faves were still there, so I gotta, I gotta give them that. I still got to have my Lotus, I still got to have my Dodge Viper, so, you know, I'm gonna give them credit for that. There are just certain thresholds that you get to in the game where you wonder, am I even gonna be able to pass this? Because there is still a lot of rigidity when it comes to cornering, and trying to work out the mechanics of that when you want to just get fast, and especially when you just end up hitting a, something that just screws up your entire race and throws you way behind, is, is frustrating as all get out. Uh, but, you know, as far as racing games go, it wasn't a bad version of a reboot to really show what they wanted to do with the series moving forward. What other games would I suggest? Well, obviously I could try to suggest other Need for Speed games, but I'm not going to do that here. Instead, I want to cite uh, a great series that hasn't had an installment in recent years. I think the last one was actually in 2009. I don't even really remember if I played it or not, but I want to talk about Midnight Club. The one specifically I'd like to talk about is Midnight Club 3 Dub Edition. And if you don't remember that one, it's probably because it came out in like 2004. Okay, 2005, and then they had a remix in 2006. This was something developed by Rockstar San Diego, and it was a really fun series. A lot of those customization elements I was talking about in the more modern Need for Speed games, that was Midnight Club. Uh, the open world racing aspects, that was Midnight Club. There is a lot to the modern racing games that you might enjoy including like a Burnout Paradise, or a Forza Horizon series, or obviously Need for Speed, like we're talking about here, that really have roots in what Midnight Club was doing. And unfortunately, they haven't had a great series a, a, a installment for a long time. Last one that's listed is Midnight Club Los Angeles, the complete edition. So basically, after they added all the other stuff into it, which was 2009. That's the last time we had a Midnight Club game. And that was really more the the L.A. one, just the, the Los Angeles or the L.A. remix, and that was 2008. So it's just the complete edition of that, basically the definitive edition that we usually get now after all the add-on content was put out. Um, but honestly, if you're not doing LA and you have the ability to go back to like OG Xbox and PS2 era, yeah, Midnight Club 3 was really good. It could still be frustrating for the same reasons I was talking about here where, you know, if I take the wrong side street or if I, uh, you know, end up hitting a building or something like that, I'm going to end up way behind. But being able to do like those free-for-all races that they had in that game where it's like, yeah, you get to that point, who can get there fastest and try to figure out how to get there from some point in the city to another was really interesting. And I don't really think I've seen it done very often since then, maybe in some of the Forza ones when you just challenge racers, but it's not done very often. Alright, so that is enough racing for today, but on the next episode, 
we are going to dig back into Need for Speed and get ourselves some payback. Yep, I did try to play it again. <laughs> Until then, I'm sure that you're already on your way, and why do I even bother doing an outro? You're already gone.